Hello, and welcome to Methods, an exploration in guided prayer and meditation. My name is Jory, and up to now, we've been exclusively releasing guided prayers and meditations, but we're going to start doing something a little differently by inviting guests on that may have something to say to us to inform the way we approach our practices, and by extension, how we approach life. These short segments are going to consist of a conversation, followed by a separate episode with that guest leading us through their preferred method of prayer, meditation, or however they ground and center themselves. Today we talk with Rich Lewis. Rich is a leader of writing and publicity for Recovering Christianity's Mystic Roots, RCMR, a Centering Prayer and Contemplative Arts workshop leader, and has published articles for a number of organizations including Abbey of the Arts, Contemplative Light, and Contemplative Outreach. Rich Lewis, welcome to Methods. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Jory. So I've been hesitant to introduce Centering Prayer to the Methods audience just because I feel that it's really powerful and it's one of the the simplest methods, but it's also, it's subtle at the same time. And so I wanted to get it right. And so if you could just in a nutshell, tell everyone what is Centering sure. Prayer? Um, centering Prayer really is a form of silent prayer, wordless prayer. And it's really a practice or tool that opens you to contemplative prayer. And contemplative prayer really is just sitting with God you know, beyond thoughts, emotions, images, just really sitting in the pure presence of God. So centering prayer really is just a practice that opens us, us up to the gift of contemplative prayer. And we simply sit with, simply sit with mm-hmm. God and opened our mind, body, and heart to God, who's beyond thoughts, words, and emotions. Okay. So a lot of people think that, I mean, meditation and contemplation are words that mean different things in different scenarios. So within the context of of centering prayer, contemplation uh, or contemplative prayer isn't the kind of contemplation that we normally think of, right? Like thinking, ruminating, uh, being pensive about a certain subject or topic, yes, right? Yes, I mean, that's, that's absolutely correct. So centering prayer is different. You're not using a mantra. You're not repeating things. You're not meditating on things. You're actually letting go. And, and, and I know I'll share that when I talk about the method, but in, in centering prayer, you're, it's letting go. You're letting go of your, yourself and all your thoughts and all your emotions and opening to God who's deeper than your thoughts, deeper than your emotions, deeper than your physical sensations. So it's a letting go gesture. And the neat thing about it is you can then take this letting go gesture during your non-centering prayer times. It can be very helpful just letting go of things and accepting life as it is and opening to life as it is. So it's, yes, it is different. It's a a letting go gesture is the way I define it. Mm Mm-hmm. And so it's uh, it's really a practice because that that posture of letting go is what enables you to replicate that in exactly, your normal exactly. life. Exactly, right? exactly. Kind of the, the neat thing about it, and maybe some people forget, is that you know your centering prayer practice isn't meant just to do it once or twice a day. Your that gesture is throughout your whole day practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what are the origins of centering prayer and and what differentiates it from say like the John Main method of Christian sure. meditation? Well, I think ironically I think they both came out around the same time. Um 
John Maine Christian meditation, as I've read and learned about it, really is you're using a mantra and you're interiorly you know, saying this mantra over and over and over again in your head. And some people need that, and that's okay. Um, and that's how they enter contemplative prayer, whereas centering prayer is using a sacred word or generally a sacred word such as Jesus or love or ocean or whatever, a simple syllable word. And whenever you have thoughts or emotions, you interiorly bring that word up and then let go of that. And, and the whole purpose of centering prayer is just to open to the presence and actions of God within. The centering prayer itself was created in not, 1974, actually, so by four Trappist monks. So Father William Manager discovered within the cloud of unknowing kind of the method of contemplative prayer. And he actually created Center in Prayer, and then it was further refined by Thomas Keating and Basil Pennington. So the three of them then refined Centering Prayer, and then Thomas Keating, who you're probably familiar with, him and a couple others created the Contemplative Outreach in 1984, which really has become an international Center in Prayer organization. The Center in Prayer itself was created in 1974. And then Contemplative Outreach, the International Center in Prayer group, was created in 1984, and it's really just taken off. Yeah. So it's, it's relatively a, a recent kind of addition to, you know, to Christianity as a whole, it seems like. But the roots go, go farther back than that, right? You said the cloud of unknowing. Tell us more I about guess, that. I guess, dude, it goes—he discovered it, and it's a 14th-century book. But if you really think about it, um, it goes all the way back to Jesus. Jesus often went off. We don't know how he prayed, and we can only surmise that he didn't just pray out loud, that he silently sit. So silent prayer really can go all, goes all the way back to Jesus, where he went off alone to be with God. And, as we, and he didn't necessarily talk all the time. He didn't mm-hmm. need to talk to God. He sat, he sat with God. So from a scriptural basis, it really is Matthew 6, 6, when you pray, go to your inner room, close the door, um, is the scriptural basis of center in prayer, or be still and know that I am God. So it, it goes all the way back to Jesus, and then obviously you see mm-hmm. examples of the, the desert fathers and mothers in the 3rd and 4th centuries as well. So it's, it's, a, it's an old, long, long practice of silent prayer, whether they did it as centering prayer or with a mantra, this, this silent prayer practice goes, goes back to Jesus. Yeah, I, I've heard people use that Matthew 6, 6 uh, scripture before, and what, what, I've, what I've read about it is that, um, especially in, in the culture of, of Jesus and, and his disciples, that um, they weren't that well off, and, and it was a different time and a different place, and so they didn't always have an inner room, and so likely what Jesus perhaps meant by that is is going within yourself internally. Do, do you have any? No, I would on that? completely agree with that. With people didn't live in homes as <laughs> we know homes, so it was really more a metaphor for you know go close your door, close all your thoughts and emotions, and go within. And that God, you know, God is within you as well. You know, God is outside of us. God is walking with us, but God is certainly within. So it's really a metaphor for going within from a mm-hmm. silent prayer perspective. 
I've also heard some people say that centering prayer is kind of like a new age attempt at co-opting Eastern practices. What would you say to people? Well, it was created actually because the, these three Trappist monks saw other people doing other practices and they wanted something from a Christian perspective. So they looked and sought and found centering prayer, um, you know, in the cloud of unknowing the method itself. Um, but what I would say is, for me, it's really my silent sit with Jesus. I, I believe I'm sitting silently with Jesus. So I don't view it, and, and this many center and prayer practitioners don't view it as a kind of a new age meditation practice. We believe we're sitting with, with God, I, with Jesus, with God within. And while we sit, and I view it as a reverse prayer instead of me praying God's praying in me during centering prayer at a very, very deep level, and I don't even know it, and I don't even know it until I come out of my centering prayer sit. Then I sort of discover what God has prayed in me, and those are really the fruits of the practice. We don't enter centering prayer for any reason. We enter it with no expectations, but God seems to bless us with fruits, and they're unique for each practitioner. So in my case, I've encountered many fruits of confidence and excitement for life that I didn't have before the practice, wisdom, uh, wisdom even for tasks that I need to do later in the day, or just an inner calmness or peace. So I, centering prayer seems to, it's kind of the world where, as Thomas Keating says, I'm probably getting the quote a little bit wrong, where you know, anything can happen. You know, God can do anything. We simply need to open to God and see what happens. I, I think it's Paul has written that. I don't know exactly the scripture, but I mean, that's kind of exactly what it is. Um, we can get ourselves out of the way, God, and there's nothing wrong with praying discursive prayer, but God knows what we need. So sometimes we don't need to say anything. We can simply uh, be yeah. quiet and sit with God and God knows what we best need. And, and it may, we may not even agree with it at the time, but that's really what we need. What we think we need might not be what we really need. Yeah. And Jesus said that too. He said, don't babble on like the pagans do. Um, right. And I think that's, that's something that, uh, at least in my upbringing, something that, that happened all the time. You just, you know, you, uh, you go up to pray or somebody volunteers you to pray and you just kind of think like, okay, well, what do I say next? And you just kind of go through this mental list of, uh, check phrases that that are that are popular and you just kind of, you're not really actually praying you're just trying to say something that kind of fits you within the group so yeah i can see how i mean especially for me silence comes you know as my first nature really not even second nature but but for a lot of people i know that it's difficult to to sit in silence and to to be present uh-huh. with with yourself or with god or or however you term it. So, so how how about people that just have a tough time sitting still and being still? And it is still? difficult because I remember when I first started practicing silence, and this was even before I knew what centering prayer was. Um, I used to sit in silence, and it was brutal, and I would do it for one or two minutes at a time. Um, so I would say, really, you know, yes, it is difficult, but you know, I would say don't become discouraged, and I would say start small, take baby steps. And what I mean by that is perhaps you, initially you only begin with you know, one minute or two minutes or five minutes, and then gradually increase the time frame of your session to 15 or 20 minutes. So really just start 
slow and take baby mm-hmm. steps. In my opinion, you know, some silence is better than no silence. And there's, I cannot imagine God would be upset with you if you sat with God for one minute versus 20 minutes. I mean, God's delight, God's delight is that we've taken any time just to sit and be with God. Mm-hmm. Do you do kind of like a mini centering prayer, like throughout your day? Like if you're, you know, standing in line at the grocery store? I do, or... depending upon... Like, I hate going to the doctor's office, so if I arrive early, I might do a five-minute sit in my car, then walk in. Or if I have something at work that's making me nervous or a presentation I have to do and I have some time and I can go off somewhere to be by myself, I'll do a five-minute silent sit. So, yes, I will look for opportunities to do a centering prayer sit. Actually, even at night, and maybe kind of a humorous one, I love French press coffee. So, my wife and I will drink French press coffee and watch TV at night. So I'll go downstairs, put the coffee grounds and the water in the French press and the steep for four minutes. So sometimes for four minutes, I do centering prayer. And then I plunge the coffee with the French press, pour it, and go back upstairs. So yes, I do look for a lot of different opportunities to do centering prayer. And they're, they're kind of all over the place. And actually, even at, I last one I'll give an example of this. I go to a chiropractor from time to time, and the first 10 minutes, you lie, you're in the first room, and you're lying on a table, and there's a roller going underneath your back, and it's really just to loosen you up. So for 10 minutes, mm-hmm. I do centering prayer there before then I go to the next room to actually see the doctor. So yes, you can, you can do centering prayer anywhere, and there's always an opportunity to do it. Yeah, I think that's super important, especially nowadays where everyone's just so busy all the time and, you know, not always voluntarily, you know, if you're like a single parent or, you know, you're working and going to school at the same time, you know, you're, you're super busy. And so even though we do need to take time to step away, it is great to be able to introduce a practice like this that can, you know, that you can weave into your, your daily life and, and have it actually make an impact. Right. So I just want to read uh, from the Contemplative Outreach site, just just for our listeners that have never done Centering Prayer, that you know still don't know exactly what it is or how it works. Sure. Um, these are the official prompts uh, for Centering Prayer as popularized by uh, the late Father Thomas Keating, Basil Pennington. Um, so it goes, choose a sacred word as the symbol of your intention to consent to God's presence and action within. Sitting comfortably and with eyes closed, settle briefly and silently introduce the sacred word as the symbol of your consent to God's action and presence within. When engaged with your thoughts, return ever so gently to the sacred word, and at the end of the prayer period, remain in silence with eyes closed for a couple of minutes. So even though that's really short and condensed, it's, at least for me, not super straightforward. I mean, it is, but but all those words are just dense words with that could be interpreted in, in many different ways. So, first of all, what is a sacred sure. word? A sacred word really is it's really your symbol, or it's really your intent to open yourself to God's presence and action within. So, that's really the first thing you do when you sit down. And let me state, some people have neck and back problems, so feel free to lie down if you have to as well. Um, but really, the first thing you do is use your sacred word interiorly that's really your opening up to God. And then really whenever you have a thought, whenever you've been planning your day, whenever you think about something you did yesterday or something you need to do in the future, 
you realize you're not in the present. And then this sacred word, you, you rethink that in your mind and then like gently let go of it. And you're really just continuously opening to God. So you might find you do this frequently, or you might time to find there might be a lot of spaces where you don't have to do that. And you only know that when you've had a thought. <laughs> or sometimes you naturally bring yourself back without the sacred word. So it's really just a symbol of your intention to open to God's presence and action within. And you, mm-hmm. can use, you can use an image. Like, I actually use an image. So if you're an auditory person, some people like to use words. I'm a visual person, so I use an image. I actually use a Jesus icon image in my head. Some people use their breath instead of, and some people actually are afraid they'll fall asleep, so they leave their eyes open and stare at a spot in front of them. So you can use any type of Mm -hmm. sacred word, image, breath, or even with your eyes open that works, you know, best for you. But really, it's just the purpose is to keep bringing yourself back to the presence to the present moment to God. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I want to, I want to circle back to that. How did you, and how do you generally advise choosing a sacred, the sacred word? word? You want, it should really be short word of two, you know, one, two, at the most three syllables, because it's not really, a, it's not a mantra and you're not focusing on it. So you're simply using it to bring you back to the present moment. So it could be ocean, it could be your favorite color, it could be Jesus, it could be love, something that's important to you, but you're not clinging to it, you're, you're letting go of it. So something important, but something, you know, very few syllables, one, mm-hmm. two, three at the most. What makes it sacred? Just its importance to you or the fact that you're using it to draw you back to God? The fact that God? you're using, using it to draw you back to God. Okay. So is it supposed to be... Um, is it supposed to be a rich word that, uh, you know, we focus on the meaning at all or a more neutral word that doesn't draw us into thinking? What words do you, do you find that people gravitate I towards? Guess it, it, yeah, I mean, it, it could be meaningful to you, but the purpose of it is you're not meditating and pondering upon it during Centering Prayer. So then it probably isn't the right word. So if you use beach, for example, but you find you be, you're constantly thinking about the beach rather than opening to God, then you probably want to find a different word. So, I mean, people have used many different words, love, Jesus, various colors. But if you find that you're using the words to ponder upon it, then you probably want to find a new word because it's not, it's not serving the right purpose. Yeah. Yeah. I know other um, types of mantra meditations encourage like a word in a different language or or a sound because that aids in in not drawing us into you know conceptual thought about about the word itself like um i think uh the wccm the world center for christian meditation even though that's more of like a direct mantra based practice um they encourage the use of maranatha in the the aramaic so even though it's, you know, you can know what it means, it's not typically someone's first language, so it, it doesn't encourage you to go into the word and turn it over in your mind and, and so forth. So one of the other directions is consent to the presence and action of God within. And so to me, to me that is such a dense right. statement, you know, and uh, so what does this mean to you? What does it mean that God is within uh-huh. 
and what is that? To me, it means you know, there's God. I'm not God, but I'm made in the image of God, and there's a piece of God in within me. So I'm opening up to that presence of God within the divine within me. I'll call it the little D. So there's the big D, which is God, and then the little D, which is me. Um, I'm opening to that presence deep within me. And as I mentioned a little bit earlier, I believe God's praying in us at a very deep level. So I'm consenting to the presence and actions of God within, and God is praying in me at a very deep level during centering prayer. And I don't even know what's happening until I come out of my centering prayer and I notice differences about myself or other people notice differences about myself, you know, such as, you know, more confidence or more excitement for life or wisdom for, for daily tasks. So that's, that's how I think of it is God is within. And I think maybe that scares some people, but again, I clarify that not saying I'm God, simply saying God is within me but I'm definitely not God and I don't want to be God. And that God, mm-hmm. you know, this is like, to me, it's like a reverse prayer. So maybe you don't hear people say that, but I think of centering prayer as a reverse prayer. God is praying in me what God knows I need or, and it may not even be anything other than God just knows I need to be loved and healed. Maybe that moment, maybe I had a terrible day the day before or some stuff going on in my life and I just needed to be loved and embraced by God. So God is simply giving me love. And that might be what God was praying in me. So that's how yeah. I view uh, you. Does that help or answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. I, I was I was thinking as far as the um, you know the letting go posture and the the re- receptivity posture of of centering mm-hmm. prayer. To me, it seems like it's not like we're reaching out and and grasping for anything or adding anything to ourselves, but more like you know, God is the, like, as Paul Tillich would say, the the ground of our being. And on our inner day to day, we kind of build these superstructures and conceptual frameworks and identities on top of that ground of being. And so to me, I think centering prayer and, and other methods too, but um, specifically centering prayer is great at that posture of letting go and that kenosis of, of releasing all those things that we've built up on top of what's already right. there. Right, letting go is a way to find God. You're letting go of everything, kind of all the barriers to God that are, that are already within you. So we're busy searching outward for God when God has always been within, and we can connect with God within by simply letting go you know, of our thoughts, emotions, and, and our body holds you know, a ton of tension. So centering prayer can just release a lot of tension and repressed thought and get us closer and closer to God that's always been within us. Yeah. And uh, in, I think it's in um, Open Mind, Open Heart, uh, Thomas Keating says that, that uh, centering prayer can even be dangerous as far as, you know, sometimes these repressed things, memories, ideas, relationships will, will come up. And sometimes we need, you know, a professional to help deal with those things. And so he advocates for that in the book to, you know, if you uh, encounter something in your practice that's so upsetting to you that, that you can't handle it, 
than to definitely seek help. Have you ever in- encountered anything Personally, like that? Personally, I have not, but no, I, but I completely agree. The centering prayer is can be very life-giving and very healing, but you might need some professional help as well. So I, I would completely agree with what he has to say, and, and, I've, and I've read that as well, so that it's um, centering prayer, I guess it's been described as divine therapy, but yes, you might, depending upon what the trauma you've experienced in your life, you may need the help of a professional in addition to centering prayer, depending upon the trauma you've gone through. You, you, you would need someone to help kind of guide you through that. It might, it might be just too much for you to do on your own with centering prayer. Right, yeah. And God can work through a professional, you know, just as well. Right. So it doesn't mean stop centering prayer, but you might be able to continue doing centering prayer and all of this emotional baggage and trauma is coming up. And then you might also need you know, a professional to help you handle it and talk through it because it could be overwhelming. Yeah. Is centering prayer applicable for any denomination? Yes. I, I would say really anyone can practice centering prayer. So I guess the Contemplative Outreach, which is Thomas Keating's you know, organization that he created in 1984, is, is exactly that. Really, it's anyone, any denomination can practice centering prayer. And I'll even say, you know, you don't even have to practice centering uh, prayer. You, you don't even have to believe in God to practice centering prayer. You can still follow the centering prayer steps and let go and open to life. So if you don't want to call open to the presence and actions of God, if you just simply want to, you're not sure if you believe in God, you can open, let go and open to life. Yeah. Sit with life and see what happens. So yes, it's really all denominations. And it's even those people that really just are not sure they're either deconstructing their faith or they're, they're just not sure what they really believe about God. Well, you just uh, you just hit my next question right on the head because I, I was going to ask you know how how do you uh, practice centering prayer if you don't believe in God or if you're not always sure and and so you said to to you know open to life and and use that if you know God is a, a term that you have baggage with and I love that because I think um, Richard Rohr says that God is just a name for reality that you can relate right. to so. And and met it, with methods, I try to to make everything accessible to people that have different faith backgrounds, or people that are deconstructing their faith, or even people that are um, that have left faith behind but still desire some type of transformative practice to to root them more deeply with life. Um, so. How how has centering prayer changed your For life? For me, uh, actually, can I make one one quick statement on uh, what we were just talking about? I've, I've talked with with people that they just needed to change their image of God. So, for instance, I've, I've worked one on one with some people, and they they've had some bad experiences with their fathers, where they've been abused verbally or physically by a father. So they view God as as a father and a judge. So it was very very difficult for them to sit in the silence of centering prayer with God and because they view God as a, a judging father. So in that case, kind of had to change their image of God and that God is, is neutral, you know, not is, is a mother, is a father or is both, or is just life. And that kind of helps them better sit in silence with God because it makes, it was too scary for them to do that. They couldn't sit in silence with God because they thought God was a father and their experiences of their father were, were not good. So they needed to ch- change their image of God. Um, 
Now, yeah. and then coming back to, so you would ask me how Center in Prayer has changed or impacted me. Did I get your question right? Yeah, like, I mean, do you find yourself embodying, you know, the uh, the fruits of the Spirit? Yeah, I, I mean, I would say I've been practicing Center in Prayer. I, I'll say I jumped in the Center in Prayer pool June 1st, 2014. And I don't know what's so magical about that day. That's when I decided I wanted to do what Thomas Keating recommended, two sits, 20 minutes each, each day. And I decided that I really wanted to just do it. So what I've noticed over the last almost six years is an excitement for life that I didn't have before. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not that I was depressed and didn't enjoy life, but life just seems much different and brighter and more exciting since I've been practicing center and prayer. Um, I've noticed that I'm a lot more confident than I was prior to practicing center and prayer. And I've done a number of things because of center and prayer that I don't think I ever would have done. Um, I created my website, Starlands Teaches, three years ago, which is really devoted to centering prayer. I wrote a book, and it's going to be published in the spring of next year, and it really talks about centering prayer and my centering prayer journey. And I've gotten out in the local community near me um, to teach at local churches, and actually I've done some virtual ones where a church down in Texas, a group of five or six people, and we did it via Zoom, and it was a virtual meeting. So I would say, yes, Centering Prayer has just done something for me. And, I, and it was only because I didn't even go looking for it, other than I was perusing Amazon in 2013 looking for a book to read. And I came across a book by Amos Smith called Healing the Divide, Recovering Christianity's Mystic Roots. And he talked about Centering Prayer in it. And I thought, aha, there's a container for silence. I didn't know what to do in the silence. Now this is what I can do in the silence. And then I'm just amazed like when I look back to 2013 and now I come to the present moment, what has happened in my life. So Center in Prayer has really just uh, transformed me, quite frankly. Yeah, that's great. I, I didn't realize that you had, had written a book. When, uh, when that comes out, we'll have to have you back on to, to talk about it and everything. Well, this, this was awesome, Rich. I'm glad to finally introduce our listeners to Center in Prayer. Um, where can people go to keep sure. up with your work? Um, easiest thing to do would be to go to my site, and I think it's easy to remember, uh, silenceteaches.com. And um, if they subscribe, they'll get my free ebook on Centering Prayer, so they can learn more about Centering Prayer with my ebook, and then they'll receive my weekly meditation, which is really Centering Prayer um, related. SilenceTeaches.com is where they can come to learn more about me and, and Centering Prayer. All right, well, everyone click on the next episode to be led through Centering Prayer with Rich Lewis.